0: The music industry is so unique because it isn't us against the industry, because the industry was set up to exploit musicians and it hasn't changed. You don't get away with this these kinds of contracts in any other creative industry, maybe maybe book publishing. Right. But like if you took it took it out of creative, took it to like marketing or advertising, those contracts, people just look at them and go, fuck off. Yeah. I'm not signing this ever. <laughs> This is ridiculous. No intelligent person would sign any of the standard legal agreements in record labels, management, publishing deals, any of that stuff. It's just straight up horrific. Yeah. But we do it because we want our hopes and our dreams to come true. Hello, Harko here. I'm
1: I'm here with Jeremy Redmore for another episode of Harko Meets Humans. Um, and I'll probably have to leave that in because that's a very good way to start it. But because the question I want to ask is like, why? So uh, yes, it is crazy. Um, why? But so why do? Why does it continue? Like, is it just like oh we? There's no other option, and we want to be a part of that. Like, is it? Is it? Is is that essentially like it's kind of like um, protection money for mafia? It's like well we all you have to you're picking which mafia to sign up with because they all have the same sign-up things. I don't, mean to, I don't mean to say that music industry people are mafiosos, but um, <laughs> but I'm just saying some of the tactics might be correlated. Um, yeah, so like, but why do we... You're right, no one would sign that,
0: but well, we do. Yeah, I think it's, it's just a fascinating study of human nature in a way because in a, in a way it's like we, we, none of us are patient enough to do the work and, and have faith that if we persist with what we're doing, we're going to be re- rewarded for our talents. And because we don't have the patience, we try to shortcut through. Uh, and to get that shortcut, you use these, these people who can open doors. And they know that, that they specialize in creating shortcuts because those shortcuts mean that they get those contracts and if, and if their shortcut works, they make a lot of money. Now, if you get an artist who just spends ten years developing their craft, doesn't sign any of those contracts, gets the same thing. They're making all the money, not those other people. Like some of those people will eventually, if they, you know, they'll have to use lawyers and and have management and that kind of stuff. Actually, but do a harder. job to earn the money, though. Yeah, yeah, and it, and you don't want to. No one's going to stand by an artist for ten years just to wait till they get crack in, a, in an industry that's all about youth. Mm. So it's, it's, yeah, there's a lot of things going on, but it all makes perfect sense. If I was, you know, if I was a, a label exec, I'd keep doing what I was doing. I, I mean, it was so hard to make, you know, you look at all these indie labels that try and be good and fair and just, you know, it's kind of like the, the, the corner cafe owner who is isn't it, for life or the, you know the corner bar owner they're, they're, ne- they're not really going to make a, any kind of big money. they might be able to make enough to survive to get to, just to keep the community going and pay rent mm. um, that's the kind of indie label situation and a lot of people don't want to do that yeah right want It's you know someone has to make money you want to get the payoff eventually because some of your people that you work with will be famous and, and be able to make money in different ways not from that physical product and you're looking at them going well i made you or i helped make you and yet i'm sitting here just "Oh, well, got my little community going cool yeah right and, and it's human nature just to be like oh well why don't why don't i have a slice of that i don't know it's a, it's all pretty fascinating it's very it's
1: like it's very human and very complicated isn't it because there's the two things you mentioned there like there isn't uh, the artists do have to take responsibility sometimes because we do it is the enticement of the shortcut that we are actively engaging with and maybe we don't maybe it's not spelled out in such straight terms that we that's that we understand that's what we're doing but in essence that is kind of I mean you and I have both signed contracts and looking back and it's like. I can see that I, you know. If I'd had more more faith, as you say, or like more patience, or like a, a view on a bigger picture, that might may have immunised me against a little bit of that contract stuff.
0: Yeah, and it's also knowledge. Mm. Um, I, I don't know about you, but as a young musician, there is a a lot of closed doors to industry knowledge. People don't don't talk about what a good situation for. Um, releasing music is for having a manager, etc mm. it 's sort of off limits or how do you I mean people are competitive some people don 't talk because they 're competitive they 're like, well I, I organized this whole tour in New Zealand it was a great success, but i 'm not talking about how I did it
1: because it 's like my business secret,
0: yeah yeah um and it 's like well yeah you would have made you might have done things differently, but you don 't know because everything you see in the movies and in TV shows say so you sign that deal and then you stuff happens. Mm. mm. there is no there is no story of, of of people, oh, It's not. It's it's not as glamorous in music to sit in a, in a studio and develop your craft for years. Yeah. And slowly develop an audience through grafting out live shows around whatever country you're in, continent, and then eventually it just builds slowly to a place where you can actually survive and make money and quit your, your shitty part time job. But that is what those. That is what. what I don't know about you, but that's that's all I want to do. It sounds so boring and so great. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean?
1: Like, hearing you say that is like, yeah, that's... I can't imagine wanting anything else other than that. But putting it like that uh, kind of shows... that contrasts it with how uh, the pathway in the um, industry tends to work in a completely different way. Like, yeah. you... I've never sat in a meeting with any industry pe- person who was like, you don't need to pay me any
0: money, you should just do exactly what you just said. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> uh, or, or, or if it's not money, it's you yeah, sign over the the rights to all your money. Mm. Um, or I'll give you a bunch of money, Yeah, but I'm going to get anything you make back for a long time. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, it's interesting, I, and I deal with a lot of young musicians. I work in, in schools and and mentor young musicians, and there is just this overarching cloud of impatience, and these kids who are like nineteen are going, "I'm too old, I'm I'm past it," because they see these teenagers blowing up on TikTok or, or get, you know, um, it's like it's like oh Benny's Benny's younger than me. It's like well, there's always a Benny. Mm. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean you passed
1: it. That's like, so heartbreaking, yeah. Yeah,
0: and they're so impatient, they're just like, I need to find the I need to find the I need to find the deal, I need to get the deal, I need to get the deal done. Um, but they don't they haven't even had chance to do their exploration of who they are as an artist. They think they want to sign to a to a top forty contract, but they might not be aware of what being a top forty artist in writing for top 40 or not writing for top 40 is and just being plugged into that world they might not even get any satisfaction out of that because they could they haven't haven't experimented and came to the conclusion that they want to make experimental ambient music
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, and i think that's uh, because that's that's one thing the fact that they the mentality is on them like that, which can't be great for creativity or motivation, but feeling like, oh I'm, I'm past it. I can't imagine it must be hard to sit down and write a song if you feel like you've got no chance. Um, but then I also think like say you the the kids who do get that chance and sign like a development deal or sign like a deal, and they only get to put out like two songs a year, or if if, if that. So they don't get any reaction to anything they're putting out. No no real feedback from anyone other than, like, themselves. And musicians are kind of bad at giving themselves feedback. Or, like, the team they've already signed to who are going to have maybe ulterior motives.
0: Well, I think the idea of feedback is really interesting. What is How does anyone get feedback in the music industry these days? What's real feedback? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I've got... I've got a mate who um wants to be a pop star, and he pays for feedback on there's a there's a uh, submit hub oh yeah, and you just pay for reviews and feedback, which is just bizarre mm. um, then if you want to get main, like commercial media reviews you' could probably go to go to go through a publicist because again that's a that's a gatekeeper yeah and then if you go by streams well most of them are complete bollocks because you get on one (laughs) coffee and chill playlist like me and you've got half a million plays or whatever on a song but it's that's not that's just some cafes playing it there's no one going oh this is great i'm gonna follow this jeremy redmore guy i'm gonna go to every show because i love this song that doesn't happen from playlisting no it's like... So, where's the feedback? It used, you used to have people going out and buying your record. They had to leave the house and buy it. Mm. And that was, you know, a physical ju- like judgment from that person to go, I'm going to go out and spend my money on this artist because I love it. Or I'm yeah. really interested in it. Now, that's not happening. So, how do you know if you're doing anything good? I mean there's all these artists who have millions and millions of streams that play a live show and there's 50 people there. Mm. So do you judge it by live shows or is that hard to get the word out that there's a live show? Like,
1: mm. where is feedback? Yeah, you're right. That is crazy. Like, uh, the, uh, where, where's the most objective
0: standard for yourself to know where you are? Yeah, and maybe there's like some secret algorithm that, that um, you know, labels are using to deep data dive on stuff, but... I don't think so. Yeah, I have a
1: sense that labels still have no idea what's going on, and they're essentially doing what they've always done, which is just throwing some shit at a wall and one out of ten sticks, and then they go, "All right, how do we do that again?" <laughs> yeah, but and maybe they've never they've had it had better.
0: It. They've never had it better to be able to do that. Yeah, now they can just pay themselves back through streams because they can have the power over putting it on a playlist, which gets yeah five million streams and that makes them 15 grand back or whatever and
1: meanwhile making music has been democratized so there's more people than ever who can who they can like trawl through and discard or pick up because mm. there's however many songs uploaded every day to spotify and you know everyone can do it can, fruity loops is still free i think to make beats on yeah <laughs> man we're such such positive uh, people see that's funny <laughs> because i think I would think you and I are
0: positive. Uh, do you think you're, a po- I think you're a positive person? Well, I think that all of this stuff we're talking about is important to keep in mind while you are creating your piece of art, hopefully. Yes. Because it comes into how you're going to release it, how you're going to approach it, um, what it means to you, what you want out of it, why you're doing it. Because if you don't know all of those things, you can't judge that um, accurately.
1: Yeah. do you Do you think that the uh, do you think it'd be more helpful to think of the music industry as like there's, like the music industry is this big circle, and then there's this tiny little seed at this at, in the middle of it, which we call the music industry, and essentially what that is is that shortcut industry, and they do hold all the power and hold all the institutions and hold all the traditions over it, but. Their whole game is convincing everyone. There's a few people who are like, I want to aim for that because I want to be on top of everything. But then most people have just been convinced that this tiny circle is actually the whole circle and that you've kind of... Maybe what we're missing is, is is the delineation between the two of those and people understanding like there's actually two ways you can do it. You can kind of really develop your own thing and build your own thing outside of this thing or you can engage with this core at the heart of it and here's what you're going to have to do mm. because I think if that's true why you're so interesting is that you and from what you said just there which is essentially like you want to ride that line between the two of them you want to grow something but also you think about how to engage in a way that works for you with that core at the, at the middle of it as well trying mm. to find like a almost like an ethical way to be in that music machine in a sense do you think that's fair,
0: yeah, or or yeah, ideally, yeah, but I think that also if you're smart enough, you kind of have to just play the game a bit, yeah it's kind of, I can't one way to one metaphorical comparison is it's, you've kind of got this boiling hot potato that you have to pick up now and then to to eat or I don't know There's there's a secret inside it a boiling hot thing, yeah. And sometimes you have to engage with it to get access to whatever's inside it, mm. and, you, and you just have to get your hands off before you get burnt, right? Um, because if you hold on too long, then y- yeah, you'll, you'll either get stuck to it or you know, or you'll get burnt. Yeah. So it's kind of like you have to you have to engage with it, but how do you do it in a way that, um, yeah, you don't get sucked in? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's. But, but, I mean, at the same time, yeah, you, there are people who... If you go into the music industry and say, I want to be famous I want to make heaps of money, um, that's what you need to be doing. You need to go in there and you need to be ruthless and you need to be really smart and play that game fully. Yeah. You can't really... The, the alternative is so hard. The alternative being... Like- if you want to be a top 40 artist and not engage... Yeah, is there anyone?
1: Is there anyone in your mind who even comes close to doing that kind of thing? Who is it? Who's the rapper? Um, Chance. Chance the rapper. Yeah. Yeah, but he had like. I think he was doing what you're doing. Yeah, and it's like <laughs> dealing with the potato, but he was good about branding and presenting himself as someone. The kernel of truth is he was independent technically.
0: Technically, yeah, I've and, done a license deal. With- yeah. With, uh, but he but if we're talking about the closest to that ideal, yeah that's something probably like really that, fair. Yeah. Um and then then the problem is that you might have like an artist who is that we all know is a big pop star now but the, maybe the first song was came out independently or something like that but then they were snapped up quick yeah. Um, yeah you'll get the odd artist who isn't like hasn't gone through the whole label development program before you hear of them. Mm. Um, but they quickly get snapped up because it's it's like you get offered millions of dollars and all of the stuff that comes with being with a major label and the doors they can open. It's pretty hard to say no. Yeah. Right. Every single person advising you, and it's not like your parents and your your brother and sister or whatever your family aren't gonna say, Dodge oh, just be careful there." Because <laughs> they don't oh, really know. You're
1: like, go for it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> everyone's gonna yeah hardly anyone's gonna be like don't
0: do that yeah i mean you might get um are there any examples of like children of pop stars that want to be pop stars but stay independent i don't know they still they still go for it eh it's like molly cyrus is still very much in that world
1: yeah i mean if you have the access to the contacts you probably have a bit more freedom to Feel like you can do a little bit of what you want and still be able to talk to the people in the industry, I guess. So, yeah. I mean, if Miley Cyrus can't avoid it, who the hell can? Yeah. Her dad was royalty. But who, uh, uh, that's an interesting question. Like, who who doesn't want to be in that thing? There's probably a lot of those people as well. And so, in 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 2020, like, you and a lot of us focus on what can we use in the industry industry for our benefit and what do we need to be aware of but do you ever look at like what's what's happening on the outside completely out of the industry that I can attach to or that I can kind of um get on board with and and appropriate into my um strategy as well or do you just not see anything out there
0: um I for example my my last album I released it in five chapters and the idea in my mind was that it was like a a TV miniseries yeah so I was looking at the success of TV shows and going well people are people are pretty onto this you know sitting down to watch Game of Thrones the new episode Mm. every week or whatever and and if the album is telling a story then why not take some of that strategy and apply it to a music release. Yeah. And I don't know if it worked, but I, I looked at that and just went, oh yeah, give that a shot. Yeah, right. You know, maybe there's five different chances to promote a record that might disappear within two weeks. Yeah. Um, there's, yeah, in theory, it was a way to try things out. What I found was that it was a bit like fitting the the square peg in a round hole where um the the platforms that could give it exposure didn't know what to do with it they were like right oh, hold on, what this five chap? oh just wait till there's an album
1: platforms like um traditional media
0: traditional media yeah blogs even uh, i did yeah, it was it was very kind of roller rollercoastery ride hmm. um but yeah media in general found it Maybe the concept was too much. I didn't think it was Um, too complicated. I don't think splitting up an album and releasing it over time (laughs) is that complicated, is it? Yeah, um, but it it seemed to be... And and maybe there was a disconnect between... um, I wasn't directly dealing with media. You know, I had a a publicist, so maybe they weren't getting across that idea clearly enough. I'm not sure. Um, But it... I had a lot of strange feedback where it was like, oh no, we'll just wait till this or we've already <laughs> talked about this um, or we don't want to have to deal with... Because the idea was, hey, we'll find a platform that can talk about them as they come out mm. and the story story progressing. But it was kind of like, oh, well, we just want to do one thing. Mm. We don't want to do five. <laughs> so it, it failed in a way to to get that pickup that I dreamed of. But shit why not try yeah um no i think so because why, like, why not try these other ways that we might see in other industries i, th- I think the answer is outside of the music industry because it's
1: um what well, do you do do you think that that is a problem with uh traditional media
0: as well oh absolutely yeah i think that, that traditional media is in its own they're, they're, they're doing the 2009 version of the music industry they're trying to figure out what the hell they, what can they they can do to survive because mm. they've got no stable income no um, advertising just doesn't work and yet they can't
1: take an album split up into five things and be like hey this might be something interesting we can do <laughs>
0: <laughs> no because they, they've got a they've got a, a... yeah I don't know they've You know, there's people in roles that want things to be done the way things have always been done. My theory on
1: this is that there are two things simultaneously happening across almost every industry right now. And that on one side of that, of those two parallel lines is the traditional industry, which is starting to fail, but is either doubling down or just continuing to do the things it wants to do, but at a less of a monetary rate and then there's a growing parallel industry of people doing out there things with no support and not getting any recognition from the traditional media because they're the competitors and the only mm. the only thing that's keeping the traditional media on top I just did bunny ears on top is because they are the traditional media who get to tell people who's on top and and I think that that's true for media. They go like, "Well, we're the media," and it's like, "But um, YouTube people get more views than you do on your thing talking about makeup, <laughs> unboxing so, presents." Yeah, so you're you're the media, are you? I mean, not to say anything about what comes out of Joe Rogan's mouth, but his
0: show is the biggest media platform in the world by far. Yeah, and but, yet the media say we are the media, and they write stories about Joe Rogan's yeah. <laughs> show and go. Well, Joe Rogan's doing this thing and it's marvelous. It's <laughs> horrific. No, you know, it wouldn't be marvelous. It would be outrageous. Yeah, but they still, but they, because
1: they're the ecosystem and somehow we're still under the spell, yeah. they're the ones who control the narrative. And at some point, that, that equation is going to have to topple because it's essentially a delusion. Mm. It's this, the delusion that what's happening on the internet isn't what's actually real and relevant. And that this old thing is actually real and relevant. And what they do is they try and co opt with that stuff. But I think that's happening in media and I think that's happening in the music industry as well. Mm. And I wonder how much of it is literally just that silencing, chilling effect of like, well, we, as long we, as we don't let anyone talk about the fact that this whole other world exists and is way more relevant than us, like TikTok is, the, is far more relevant than any radio station in the world for getting new music out there. Yet TikTok pluggers don't exist yet you know you, you don't you don't, you well, don't no, they well, do. fuck, well it's well, like to, fuck you radio plug out. i'm just gonna plug to tiktok now how they, many are are doing that then. oh yeah right but labels are doing that right but
0: they're doing it to, uh, through influencer marketing yeah
1: yeah which is i think a better way to go in terms of like that that, that is actually the industry embracing the real relevant um yeah influences of the time it's not radio anymore mm-hmm. so if someone's like oh yeah we, we sell to influencers We're like yeah good that if i was running a record label it's exactly what i'd do but most of us all st- sit here and go well why do we need the record label to go to the influencers why can't we
0: just go to the influencers like why yeah. is why yeah so that's that's my mate who's, who wants to be the pop star that's what he's doing yeah he's right started, he's started basically paying influencers to put his songs on their TikToks, mm. and it's working yeah um and he doesn't. But he still wants to get a major label. He's seeing it as a way to get the attention of major labels. And then it'll all be great. But I'm like, just keep doing what you're doing. What is that other than a delusion? <laughs> it's a delusion and it's a shortcut. It's right. A, it's, it's, I'll do all the hard work and then someone else will do the rest. Yeah. Rather than this idea that you're going to have to keep doing hard work your whole career because that's what people do in a job. It's a job. It's a job. You work, and you work, and if you're passionate about it, it doesn't feel like work, but you're doing hard work. It's not like you're going to release an album through a label and then just, just go and take a bunch of acid for a week and sit on your ass yeah. and lie in pools of money. You've got to still work. If anything, you've got to work harder. Yeah. But um,
1: maybe people don't think that. Was there, and this mentality that you have, which I think we share, Did, as this, did this come about by like you, is it literally just like thinking about it or is it from your experiences going through the other way or, or a mixture of both, obviously. But like what Mm -hmm. I'm saying is, do you think your experience with Midnight Youth was necessary for you to arrive to where you are now? Or do you think we can shortcut getting the kind of experience you had and just get people to the
0: understanding? oh, I mean, how do you change uh, how do you, people's minds? Uh, it's it's the, the, the the secret that everyone wants to know because, you know, otherwise you know, you've got to create some sort of religious experience. Um, but yeah, and it's kind of like fate, God, love, unless you have it, unless mm. you see it, experience it yourself, it's pretty hard to like believe in it. Yeah, right. And it's a bit like that. It's like, well, you see every example. It's like, well, the Lord signed to a major label.
1: <laughs> Arcade Fire went were on an indie label up until that um, latest album they put out where they signed to a major
0: after being like yeah, one of the biggest bands in the world. And look, you never know what situation, like Taylor Swift probably has a really great deal with her major label. Now maybe. Yeah, not, it wouldn't have been to be good. But I mean, there were also examples like Ed Sheeran, like he signed with a massive, like, was it Live Nation I think? Yeah. And he signed for a particular rate per show and he was selling out concerts all over the world and there were people in australia making more money than him who were only touring australia Mm. so he had to see out that contract and so that's why he kept touring with just him and his crappy guitar and pretty underwhelming like sonic experiences for audiences because he couldn't afford to pay a band to tour with him as the number one artist in the world Mm. who told him to sign that deal yeah yeah I mean, now he's paid it off, but he, but, uh, yeah. Um, no, I think it's definitely for me. It's definitely from experience, but but a big chunk of of that thought and pondering came from leaving and spending three years not in the, not wrapped up in it. You know, I was in Canada just working in a coffee shop and traveling and hanging out. Yeah. And that kind of people would tell me their stories and musicians would come into the cafe and talk about it and be like, oh whoa, that's happening. Interesting. And it would and when I when I decided to come back into it, I was kinda of like, well if I'm gonna do this I gotta what's a what's a different way to go about it? Because I wasn't happy the way it was before, it just stressed the shit out of me. So yeah. what can we do differently? So it's a bit of both. But I'm you know I mean in relative terms, Midnight Youth had a, had a relatively experience in terms of a major label um if anything the major label the midnight youth was signed should have been a lot smarter in the way that they operated and exploited that situation a lot more but they
1: didn't <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a it's a funny thought to have a you're like oh well, they could have done more now that you understand what other people are doing yeah um, what point did they, what, at what point in the band did that stuff start happening? Like, at, cause it's weird for me because I, like, I think I only started hearing Midnight Youth when, cause I'm not from Auckland and you guys, were you like nationally touring before you started getting like radio placements and stuff like that? Like you, you not did nationally. you play this, yeah, not the South Island or anything?
0: Yeah, I think we had done opening slots. We had the typical like manager who just worked who had experience in the industry and was just like, Cool, f- what we need to do is we need to get you opening slots, we need to record demos with known producers and try to get feedback and, and send it to labels and, yeah, that cool. and stuff. And back then that was still a legitimate way to to find a place for your music in the mainstream world. Yeah. And the and midnight youth as a band were always aiming to be a commercial um, product. Yeah. We weren't ever try like seeing ourselves as an avant-garde rock band. No. We were like, cool, we wanna play to big crowds and we wanna have people singing along and make them feel feel good. And so that with that intention, it made sense in two thousand and seven to pursue traditional contracts. Yeah, right. So we yeah, we did a couple that we opened for in excess. do I I um, might have gone to that show. With, with the, with the, the, the uh, singer, the, the wine swilling. Was it the guy that won the danger? reality?
1: Yeah. yeah. I think I went to that with my dad because we watched that show.
0: <laughs> so
1: I probably saw you play that. <laughs> Dude, it was hilarious, that guy. Oh. I can't remember his name now. Oh, yeah, I, I should know. But it was Rockstar in excess, wasn't
0: it? Yeah. It was the show. Yeah, so we did like, I don't know, three or four of those shows. Oh, cool. That's cool. Um, and we opened for OK Go. And Incubus. Oh, yeah. Um, And they were our big opening slots to try and get some attention. Other than that, we were just playing in Auckland, Hamilton. um, Yeah, probably just Auckland and Hamilton, really, that I can remember. Did you have a MySpace page? Big on the MySpace. (laughs) MySpace was massive then. Yeah. And it was like Bebo was around as as well. Oh, Bebo. I didn't have it, but um, some of the guys did. Um, And the way we we basically got our song, we wrote, we wrote a good song and we got a good demo of that into um, radio, radio programmers and and the few industry people that we knew, we knew Mm. a lawyer who knew a label person or an ex-label person and they said, this is a great song, it'll get played on radio, do you have any other songs that can back this up because you're going to need an album or something. Yeah. And so, we were like, cool, let's do an album. And, Mm. At the time, um, we had just got a new manager, um, Deep Sigh, <laughs> who, who initially was really good for the band. Yep. I have to give him credit. And he knew some dodgy dude in New York who was a producer who was like, I'll record an album for you and it won't cost you anything. Um, right. But if you, if you get signed to a major label, um, then you pay me back from your advance. And we were like, "This sounds great, and it is. That, that is an amazing deal. Um, would be now. Because um, who, who, how do you know if you're going to get signed to, a, to any kind of deal which has money? Yeah, um, but obviously our manager convinced them that it was highly likely. Maybe he was like, they're going to get I know they're going to get signed." so yeah. Um, so we spent all our life savings and went to New York and recorded this album. And then, of course, he didn't give us the masters and we had to do, give him a little bit of money up front. Oh my goodness, what? And, like, all this stuff, like all, like, all this classic stuff. And then we had to just, we had to do some remixing and, and tidy it up back in Auckland and, and Andrew Buckton, local um, producer-engineer who did an awesome job for us there. And we, we just sent the songs to all of the labels. And they all said, nah, rock music's dead, apart from one. And, yeah, Warner's bit bit into it. Oh, cool. And, it, yeah, as soon as we released the first single, the letter, it just got swallowed up by radio. It took it took about two and a half, three months to really build. I remember we released it in, like, September, and then it made it to a really good spot in the rotation, like a B rotate over the summer break, and then when it came back, it just went crazy.
1: Because at what point was the video for it released? It was probably, like, November. Because that was the first time I heard was i saw it because mm. of uh what was it at the time was it c4, c4 at the time juice one of because I, th- I was in tomorrow it was probably c4 i'd say yeah and i remember like that's that's where i first heard it mm. yeah 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 i was like oh shit who's this yeah who's this new zealand because it's like this it was so really new zealand bands that was the whole thing about you guys it was like for someone completely outside of any music industry in Timaru. There was like you guys in good shit were the only things that would be like oh there are new zealanders who actually and young ones
0: make music <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know there weren't that many young bands coming through there was the oh. Czechs. um but not in a commercial way mm. um there was still the slightly older guard of like op shop the feelers pluto that they would that had the wave had died down because these labels were like rock music's dead and so we we, just we were the last flame, the last like puff of, of life out of yeah, the other music in New Zealand. <laughs> oh now it's kind of like that that um that
1: more like a hard rock kind of thing at the moment, eh? What is that, like villainy and stuff like that? Villainy, but skin. Yeah, but like skin. indie guitar rock is kind of
0: I don't know, we were like stadium rock or something. Yeah. We were yeah. But yeah, anyway, it just went from there because the next single was all on our own, and that was even bigger. That was
1: yeah. So I remember hearing that like immediately on the radio. Mm. Yeah, crazy man. And then and like, did you then have any plans at all of what you guys like wanted to do? Other like looking back on it, was it was there like a real long term plan, or was no. it, it was the same thing? It was
0: like we just want to be huge. We relied on our manager and our label to be to to guide the way forward did you have any musiciany mentors that you would no one wanted to talk to us really industry hated us um we had no we couldn't even find bands to open for us no one would tour with us it was crazy
1: do you think that's why because you you really enjoy doing the mentoring thing with rock question stuff is that part of it? Hell yeah, yeah.
0: I had nothing. None of us had anything. Um, it was terrible because we would have avoided a whole lot of terrible stuff if we had had someone to go to to be like, "Hey, does this seem right?" Mm. This kind of thing. I don't know. Not naming names, but is this this kind of thing normal? And if <laughs> if we'd just asked, you know, anyone with experience, they would have gone, "Nah." and we would have saved the maybe even the new zealand music industry could have saved hundreds of thousands of dollars that could have gone into artists (laughs) that that we know yeah um oh yeah
1: so they like so mentorship then oh
0: do you think it's good because i i don't know if that's gotten any better I think it has a little bit. I think that that competitive nature of the industry has subsided a little bit. Um, it still exists within some some people around, but there was a it was really like elbows out when we came up. Hmm. Um, it was like no, nah, don't come in on our patch. Um, whereas now I feel like maybe people have m- more of a democratized kind of approach to it the y- young people under you know that what's what's the generation after the millennials zoomers zoomers yeah but they're just a bit more egalitarian they're not as ruthlessly capitalist they're not like this is a this is a race to get first the people that will actually you know support each other and well, there's more of them anyway
1: and would you say there's more access points to the success they're aiming for so there is naturally less need for competition because you can just upload to spotify if you want to do that you don't have to we're not all trying to get the um a and r guys to
0: our gigs yeah there the there is a wider scope for where you can exist there's less because it used to be just that there's okay we're only got room for three rock bands in New Zealand <laughs> yeah. on the radio so fuck you yeah, if you knock one off, then they're going to be pissed off that oh, I think radio's not playing our songs anymore. Because the radio was like that. It was like, no, we've already got three bands. Uh, <laughs> tick those boxes, there's no more room. Um, you've
1: had way more experience with radio than I have. <laughs> do people in radio like music?
0: <laughs> yes, they do. Okay, they do. Uh, but there's a lot of people in radio also who, who love just retention. The entertainment side, in the in the entertainment side of it, yeah, um, and they are their own personality. They are their own brains and personalities that are often bigger than all of the bands that and in the, in the musicians that they're playing, and so it doesn't feel important to them to promote them because it's just like, oh, who's this is this, is this new little band coming mm. through? But I am this person, and I'm, you know, rightly in a way, because they're all over you know reality TV shows and yeah they're, they're mega stars in a way, but they're not the ones pulling the strings on playlists usually right. which is sad because disc jockeys should be the ones curating
1: they're the ones should actually be an talking. extension
0: of their they're the ones talking to fans on the phone lines they're the ones creating the shows and the products why aren't they the ones playing the music instead mm. there's these shady characters in the background shady as in we don't see them. I'm not saying that they are shady in terms of their morals, but we don't see them. And yet they are the ones compiling all of the playlists. Um, and it's fascinating that that's the case because we don't know anything about these people. Yeah. Uh, are they music fans? Yeah. Do they go to gigs? Are they in touch with the music industry? Do you know who's curating You know all of these different commercial radio stations in New Zealand? Of course I don't. All I know is there's a whole bunch of amazing young pop acts that are not get, getting played on radio. And I'm like,
1: where What's would going they? going on there? Where
0: would they, but where would they go? Who would play them? Uh, honestly. Well, no, the big, the big stations can play them.
1: I, I know they choice. can, technically. Yeah. But they're not gonna. <laughs> why, um, not? why not? Yeah, that's why. <laughs> I mean, I would say because they don't view that as um, their role. It's not their agenda, yeah. And I think that's that was the great thing about Kiwi FM, uh, at least one of the great mm. things. Was just like that was part of their, what they saw their role to be. Kiwi FM
0: was great, especially the last like hurrahs of it. I just thought mm. it was amazing. Yeah, they were just like, screw it, we're gonna do all. we're gonna have it this way, and just see what happens. Yeah, and it was sad that that was to actually do it dying. But that was when it was I, was. I was. That's what I was playing in the car. I was like, I'm not listening to. My Spotify was into Kiwi FM. Yeah, great. Mm. I got a lot of friends who are really attached to Kiwi FM. Yeah, because you, it was like a spot, like a great Spotify curated playlist. Yeah. Except, people would talk about it, and you'd learn things about the bands and in between songs, and you know, it, it was this augmented playlist which is what radio should be. It kind of felt like, and I think RNZ does a little bit of this
1: too, where it kind of felt like a home for music that didn't have any implied status attached to it. Mm. Not, not to say that that's bad, like, but I would say the difference between that and say like BFM is that like there's um, a kind of uh, thing you want to attain by being a BFM band and, and, and everyone's kind of aware of that. So it's, it's, it's got its thing. Mm. and it's not necessarily meant to be a home for everyone just because they're New Zealand the thing there is still a lane which is way wider than usual whereas RNZ and FM seems to feel a bit like hey our only thing is that you're like a, a local New Zealand act mm-hmm. and because we don't kind of have this branding or this status thing we're we kind of we're kind of let loose in a way we can kind of just put on whatever we want to put on mm. and that's maybe a little bit more of what we're missing maybe we r&z could step in a little bit well, more what was this youth
0: channel thing that where is supposing? it where is it where is it yeah the the classical lobbyists have uh <laughs> have, the, have, they're stalling that successfully which is i mean classical music needs a place too but um is that or is that just the last throes of a of a dying or a a genre that doesn't need doesn't justify that exposure these days i won't be made to say (laughs) that out loud
1: because that would be a very personal opinion but i think you could say that the two things that i found the most interesting there um was i found out that uh, classical music and concerts get a lot of funding from the government i had no idea about that's interesting and they get a lot of private funding and a lot of private funding fine, you should try and get as much funding as you want, I get that. Um, and I was but I was like, wow, I didn't know you could, uh, where's this funding? I maybe I should get into classical. Um, fuck that. But the second thing I found really, really interesting that I tried to tell as many people as I could about is like, because it has more reference even outside of music, but just culturally, is that there was a certain age group who were the loudest voices in that for Concert FM, right? And I think every young person should look at how well those people from that, from the boomer generation, essentially something happened. They didn't like, they immediately got together and aggressively attacked it, which made the entire conversation about what they wanted and how they were denied it up until the point where COVID hit and the conversation completely disappeared. Hasn't been any more news about any youth station at Mm. all. Mm. And if if we if people are really passionate about making the change, then and 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 also think that boomers are so dumb and out of touch, then how did they fucking completely railroad an entire mm. um, media conversation
0: about it? Like, and why can't you do that? Why can't we do that? And and if there is an opportunity to do that, because it's the way, the way news media operates these days, it's all about outrage, mm. um, and that, so that's why that boomer. The classical voice came through so well because it was they were responding to this threat. Now is the opportunity for the youth. Now that it's disappeared, we the youth people supporting the you stand your channel can stand up and go like, "What's going on? It's where, disappeared. It, where is it? We need. We're yeah. outraged. What's happened? Yeah. This is the opportunity to get in the media and all of those channels <laughs> and take over the story. Yeah, because there's an excuse to be outraged, which is. The narrative has disappeared.
1: Yeah, right. Where's the news? Yeah. Oh, it didn't help that the way they announced it, and, like, they really fucked it a little bit, and, like, yeah. Labour didn't really... It was all just a bit of a fuck. Like, at least be organised, because it's a good idea. Mm. Tell you what, though, the thing that wound me up the most about that... Helen Clark. <laughs> now, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I like her. I think Helen Clark's an, a great ambassador of New Zealand. <laughs> yeah. I think she's done some great things. But she tweeted or said something like um, essentially implied that getting rid of classical FM is the like hollowing out of our cultural um, importance. Like as if like classical is some kind of like, it's just a pure elitist art argument that like, well, this is proper art and we're going to give it to this slosh. Mm. And, and, and essentially presented herself as the savior of proper art and music in, in New Zealand, completely uh, 180ing from her her opinion on Eden music at Park at Eden Park, which is not allowed, mm. not even for a charity event because it will annoy the people in the area. So I'm she's such a great supporter of arts that it's only got to be heard in concerts and not anywhere else where the public can get at it. I don't know that really fucking annoyed me. I'm still
0: fired up about it. Yeah, I mean it is interesting. What's what's like a a similar um part of the culture cultural worlds that has that it has disappeared in the past. You know, 'cause it, it every everything has its time. Barbershop. You don't hear barbershop mm. on the radio. But I mean that was that, cause classical music at one time was the dominant form of music mm. in the world. I don't think barbershop quite was, but No, I just love barbershop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no in terms of not necessarily trends but um you know, government is supporting this thing. Um, and usually government supports a thing because it has an audience or it has attendance or it has people relying on it for something. Should the government be supporting... This? It's like, should the government... We're getting... Uh, I like made, it. Made it. Hey, controversial, but we can do whatever. For example, say the government funded the church. Yeah. Uh, the Anglican church in Taranaki, which I know is on its last legs yeah they just can't get people turning up so would the government keep funding that or would they say we don't need to do this anymore it's not important enough should but if spend... they got lobbied yeah you know what at what point do you say yes religion was important to this region at one point and maybe it required government support or funding or whatever but at what point do you say it's not important anymore? Where's the role of relevance versus money like money spent? Have you ever been to a symphony? It's not my bag. No, I mean, no. I'd be open to it, but I can't afford it. And um, I don't listen to classical music normally. The only reason I would go is if it featured, you know, like Don McGlashan with the symphonic orchestra or whatever. Like I'd, I'd go and an see interesting, a, relevant event, which they do do. Yeah,
1: and Phil and uh, they do great stuff. Yeah, but that's not what we're talking about with Concert Film. No,
0: they don't. They don't put that stuff on. The Concert FM is not trying to modernise themselves. I uh, yeah. And <laughs> here's some two two real quick points because I remember
1: thinking a lot about this. One, the arguments I saw was. Uh, we, um, you can't get rid of us, so you can't stop our funding because we're extremely successful. And I'm like, okay, well, if you're extremely successful, you should have no problem surviving without funding. Why are you so irrelevant then? But that argument does not make sense. And then the second one was, it is in the charter of RNZ to prioritise a certain amount of New Zealand music. New Zealand made music, not New Zealand performed music. Music from New Zealanders. What does the classical music on Constantine FM play, they play music from Europeans. Mm-hmm. And, and only Europeans. And I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry, but it it is not about who's performing it. It's about where the piece of music came from. So you're not... The, the whole thing is... The whole reason they said in the original article, we've always struggled with the fact that Constantine FM Classroom does not align with our charter we've been given by the New Zealand government. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah and and you I'm not you don't even have to argue like that it doesn't have to come from my personal opinion that I think it's kind of boring trash right because it's not about taste it's about how relevant is it to it's funded by the government the government of New Zealand so how relevant is it to all of New Zealand mm. and if what's the role of it and is it fitting that role anyway
0: yeah i don't see the government funding a um, you know indian indian music channel anywhere but there'd be a lot of demand for one and there's whenever I turn the dial on my um in my car radio which only has the the wrong frequencies I get there's like about 12 Indian music radio stations around Auckland that are just constantly broadcasting yeah right there's only one concert there's only one class this is not like there's all these startups around Auckland playing classical music going oh yeah, there's big demand for this. Yeah, right. But the government isn't, isn't supplying that niche. No. So why should it supply this?
1: Tradition. <laughs> yeah. And very yeah. angry older people. With lots of money. With lots of money. With lots of money. And houses. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, that's a whole other podcast talking about that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah it's funny. Uh, I, I was like, ah, oh, surely after the... Because I talked about this with Jake way back... In 2019, when it was happening. And I was like, surely I'm not going to keep talking about this. Mm. Yet, here we are. I'd like to just point out, it is, what month is it? July? Is it almost the end of July. We haven't heard anything about it again. Out, get
0: outraged, people. <laughs> yeah, so where this is, is the it? the moment, yeah. Because, uh, are we just going to let it not happen? Literally, this is the moment. I work in news media. Yes! Are you still doing that? I don't, don't want to talk about it. Okay. I I know I know what stories will get published, and if there's, a whole, if there's a whole youth movement that is outraged at the fact that this radio station has disappeared and mm. plans for a, a wavering, a, you know, what's going on, minister, <laughs> yeah. then that will get national, commercial, mainstream media coverage. Yeah. You just have to protest in a smart way.
1: Well, it's it's poli- it's election season as well. It, yes. w- is there gonna be a question to anyone and about they want the music? Youth vote. They want the youth vote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're super real and totally gonna turn up youth vote. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I did bunny quotes for that one again. That's funny. Uh, yeah, again, like who's gonna ask? Is there anyone who's in a position to ask about to make sure that uh, at least we know? Um, what the party's policies for music and cultural things in New Zealand are? Are we even going to hear anything about that? No, there won't be, because the
0: status quo is happy. (sighs) The status quo is happy. Yeah. And the voices from anyone against the status quo are not organised enough, or it's just not important enough, who knows.
1: Right. So we've we've identified a lot of problems <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. do you i guess this is a good last like little thing to, to settle on it's like do you you've had like you said you've experienced a lot and you've also formulated some of your own ideas that you're testing out now um as your own artist right but is there anything do you have any idea of um or any 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 sense of some step forward as a community we could? Make progress on any of these issues as musicians? Is or uh, are there any ideas floating out there that we could at least give a try? Or do you have any sense of that
0: stuff? I haven't looked into the details of this, but this I like the idea of collectives, um, and communities in power and collectives and communities. And New zealand's a small place, so there's probably only room for so many. But if you look at the this what's this little creative community that Bonnie Vera and, and the guys from the National and stuff have have set up. Have you heard of this? I've heard it but I can't remember it's, the name, yeah. No one knows the because it's just like numbers and letters, thirty seven D D O five five four or whatever it is. Right. And but what they're doing is, yes, some of the artists are signed to big deals and, and are in big popular bands, but they are on the side and maybe they're working towards, you know, once these contracts come to an end They've got this amazing artistic community where they're um, bringing artists in for special collaborations and collaborative events. They are signing young artists and promoting them. They are trying to promote, promote diversity and and more artistic creations and they're using their platforms as Bonnie Ver the national guy whatever these people they're using that to bring these voices to make these voices heard. Mm. And I'm... these are all operating independent of any major labels. They're operating independent um, in terms of distribution, from what I can see, which is a big step. They're probably using publicists and bits and pieces. But you'd hope also that the kind of contracts that they're signing um, are not as exploitative as others. They're not like, we, we need you for the rest of your career. We're not going to take... you know, you can't go on TV without our permission. You can't say this without our permission. You can't wear these clothes without our permission. You can't do anything else. Anyway, <clears throat> maybe that's that's a way because because there's always power in collectives and communities, and and you know one of the the thing the reasons that musicians get exploited is because they don't have the means to create, and they don't have the means to be heard. So these days has never been easier to create music, mm. um, and especially if you combine. Uh, a community of talented people that can all work together on each other's projects to create music for relatively free, and you see it as more of like a bartering sort of system. Yeah, you might pay for some mixing and mastering of bits and pieces, but you can pull resources for those sorts of things. That's one thing. And then you can use your natural connections through having a community of, say, 10 artists. They all know, they all have, like, Say so they all have 50 people that, they, that love supporting them, 50 mega fans, mm. then you've got 500 people to start a wave of, of exposure. And 500 people is a lot. Mm. And usually these are discerning people, they're people who are passionate, they're not the casual fans. And so they have, their voices have more power and, and c- giving things a start. And look, sometimes things aren't just, very, just aren't very good and, and it might not catch on. And spread, but um, they, they that usually has a voice to then catch the attention of people in in more diverse parts of society that can then spread the word a bit more. And nowadays, I think the number one marketing tool is word of mouth, um, because it's it's the only thing people trust. Mm. It's honest. We're not getting. It's not being thrown at us. It's not being. You know, no one's being paid to say it. No one's been given a free pillow and and a free moisturiser to say it. It's like, Mm. it's real. It's your mate saying, hey, you should check out this artist. Um, And that comes from real connection and real real community. So, I mean, that can be one way. And then then you all, you know, if you want to play shows, you can all combine your talents again and, and do it in a smart, economic way. And then... If you are in it to create, which the people who are in those situations want to be doing, they just want to have, they just want to be able to create stuff and not be in poverty, then that, that's the way to do it. Do you think, is that kind of... It kind of sounds like
1: setting up a almost like parallel, independent music industry mm. that's like kind of formed on different um, objectives and mm. like the role of this segment of it is completely different to the other ones but it's outlined at the start
0: yeah it's like if you want to join in this community then you got to um yeah it's like the socialist music community or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah trying to stay away from
1: words like socialism post-capitalist and, and unions yeah, yeah yeah post-capitalist it's music. like I like the word collective because people can't really get too angry at collectives because it kind of it, yeah people just still assume it's just like some bumbling people out in the field you know, <laughs> yeah. But when you can just like, yeah, well, we can.
0: It's like a kibbutz for music. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, thanks for talking to me, Jeremy. No worries. Thanks for having me. We're yeah. Good talking. That was good talking. I um, hope it wasn't too negative. You need it some. Like, there's problems. Outrage. There's pro like there's really problems. Right? right. Yeah. Like how many? I don't think that's the thing we can all agree on. Like, it, it, we we didn't really get to like the mental health thing, but like. I don't know many musicians who are like every aspect of my um, creative career is really fulfilling, and I'm really enjoying all of it from like my business side to my mental health. It's all going great, you know. <laughs> but then, and and I and I think like yeah, we all talk. We talk to one another about it, and and out in public, we are now kind of saying like it does things suck here and things suck there, and these things we need to change, but it's a tweet to the people who already think the same and and even this, like we're going to talk and people who are, I would say pretty on the same level as us are going to listen to it as well. And that's, that's the thing that like, I like that idea about the collective of is like, if you can, if you can outline, um, outline like a, a mission statement or like what we're trying to achieve that is bigger than just the artists themselves, that's really where i think yeah the, the collective progress comes from because mm. it's really easy to write off one person and you can be like yeah but you do this and you do that so that's why i can just justify why you feel bad about this because that was your experience um but if it's like well it's not about us it's not about me it's about like this whole thing we're trying to do mm. i think that's really probably quite a smart way to present it and plug yourself because again I, we can't we probably can't build something completely separate at some point it's going to have to plug into something else and it's not like we have like a new zealand um zane low based on youtube like completely disconnected from any need for mainstream stuff yet we just don't have that right mm. now. i don't think we're far away from getting that but um at some point we, are, we do still have to be we can't just be blatant in the fact we're like hey this all sucks Maybe we're going to throw it out <laughs> So I like your idea about that. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, we said bye. I guess we'll this was the actual <laughs> bye. <laughs> oh good.